Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, today we're talking about the 2014 horror comedy mystery from New Zealand, Housebound, written and directed by Gerard Johnstone. This is his uh, feature film debut as director. He worked on a bunch of TV shows in New Zealand, including the Jackie Brown Diaries and the New Legends of Monkey, both <laughs> of which sound just bizarre. Yeah. The movie was made on a budget of about $350,000, though he says he could have done it cheaper than that if the script had been done first. <laughs> <laughs> And on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a freshness rating of 95%. So I guess the budget is what makes it right for us. Yeah, uh, it's it's fresh as hell. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've watched this movie like three times. Yeah. And almost think it's too good for us. Yeah, it's like a hit gem type thing. It's like not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. It's, it's like an independent movie. But the the pacing, like they really know how to do it. I mean, the story is like cliche as shit, but the way they execute the pacing in it, it's it's really good movie. Yeah, nominated for twenty six awards, it won eight of them, including best horror, best comedy, and best ensemble cast at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Hell yeah! Music in this by Mahuia Bridgman Cooper who is an award-winning composer in New Zealand and is also a, an accomplished violinist, apparently. Uh, cinematographer Simon Riera, known for Xena Warrior Princess and so many Power Rangers products. The, it, this is like a Power Rangers reunion film, basically. Oh, yeah. It, 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 there's so many crossovers with this and Power Rangers. It's just kind of weird. And, but you know... Basically, they're all people that the director had worked with on other projects. He just happens to happens to have done a lot of Power Rangers stuff. Yeah, yeah. well, like most of that film is to like uh, New Zealand, so right. Yeah, it's around when uh you know did the Lord of the Rings, you know, and it's like uh, New Zealand opened up as like you know kind of like a Australia's Hollywood kind of right. And, and the cinematography in this film is absolutely amazing. One of oh, the yeah. things that always really grates on my nerves about a low-budget horror film is how easy it is to get lost and not know where you are, the geography of where the movie takes place. Like, how come you went through that door and ended up in the kitchen this time when last time that door went into a bed? Yeah. Um, but that never happens in this movie. The cinematography, the set planning, the the camera planning and everything is perfect. Yeah, you really can't tell it's a low budget movie because it, it looks so high production. Yeah, and looking at the at the crew on IMDb, there's so many people worked on this movie that must have most of them must have been doing it for no pay. Oh yeah. Movie stars Morgana O'Reilly as Kylie Bucknell. She primarily works in TV in New Zealand. 
known for Mean Mums and the Australian soap opera Neighbors. Yeah, Neighbors. I've seen that. I've watched that a couple of times. It's like long running. It's been on since like, what, the 80s or something. Yeah. It's still out. Yeah, there's a lot of soap opera work as well as Power Rangers in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, Rima Tewiata as Miriam Bucknell. She is a writer and actor known for her work on Full Frontal, which was an Australian sketch comedy show and a spinoff of another sketch comedy show called Fast Forward. Mm-hmm. Think Mad TV in, in Australia. Yeah. Oh, she's funny, though. Like yeah, she's just, hilarious, even in this yeah. movie, where she's not not necessarily supposed to be funny. She's she's pretty funny. Yeah. Also known for Hunt for the Wilder People, Shark in the Park, and the New Zealand primetime soap opera Shortland Street. Next, we've got Glenn Paul Waru as Amos, probably one of my favorite characters in this movie. <laughs> he's basically a character actor, but he's got a pretty light film and TV resume compared to the other folks in the film, mainly known for voicing a character in the kids' cartoon series, The Barefoot Bandits. They also appeared in the Jackie Brown Diaries. And Cameron Rhodes as Dennis, known for playing Farmer Maggot in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, voiced Griffin in The Chronicles of Narnia, and appeared in a whole bunch of Power Rangers products. Yeah, he's one of those uh, guys that they use the voice overdub like the monsters and stuff right so yeah that voice is it, it really like he, he, he really like, gets a, a lot of money out of that you know right he's won awards and stuff for it ryan lamp as eugene who has worked extensively with the director gerard johnston in the jackie brown diaries and terry teo most recently in the also in the primetime uh, soap opera Shortland Street. And finally, Mick Innes as Cragland, who is a very accomplished character actor in New Zealand and Australian film and TV, known for Home and Away, The, the, the Amazing Extraordinary Friends, and Echo Point. He's scary. Yeah, he really is. He is uh, the perfect creepy guy. Oh, yeah. Now, before we get into this one, just a reminder, the Celluloid Dumpster Fire store is on Facebook now, so you can see everything directly from the Facebook page. I know that's where, where most folks follow us. It's on Facebook. Got everything on the store. Um, as I posted on there, I guess it's a couple days before we recorded this. Uh, it'll be you know maybe a week by the time you're hearing it. The first orders have already been delivered, so take some pictures and put them up on social media, tag us, let us see what you got. Share, share the fun. You know you want to. You totally want to, yeah. You want to go off. Do it. You want to brag a little bit. Go ahead and do it. It's okay. You know that bitch, man. Just do it. <laughs> like wearing your, your new shirt to school. Yeah, that just happened, so you know you want to do it. So this movie opens... With Kylie and Justin trying to rob an ATM in a strip mall. This opening scene is the only time you're ever going to see Justin. Like, that's a way to start a movie. <laughs> He's just like just a big explosion. Yeah, big explosion. Yeah, we're going to break into an ATM. He's got his little Kia lowered to the ground. The only thing he's missing is some neon underneath it. 
You know, it's lowered because as they drive into the parking lot, it scrapes on a speed bump. <laughs> I thought we got over that in the in the late 90s. I guess not. I don't know, man. Fast and Furious, they keep on making those movies and stuff. That's, and that's true. Lower. Damn it, Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and we see security camera footage of Justin beating the ATM with a big sledgehammer. And he's not making a mark on it. So... He's going to make one more big swing at it. And when he does, the head breaks off the sledgehammer, beans him right between the eyes. Justin is out. <laughs> so Kylie has to do the work herself. So she takes her crowbar. Now, Justin must have weakened the ATM of uh, bashing it with that sledgehammer because Kylie's able to just break a hole in it with a crowbar and not much effort. And then she puts a homemade explosive in it. Drags Justin away a little bit. The explosive goes off. It blows the ATM wide open, but it also sets off burglar alarms. So she grabs the cash box out of the ATM, shoves it and the still unconscious Justin in the uh, little bitty car. And they try to make their getaway, except the car bottoms out on the speed bump and she's stuck just as the sirens Come close. Come around the corner. <laughs> hey, we're, we're like just dragging him to that car. I, I kind of lost shit. <laughs> really, she had to do everything. You know, it's like height. Right. Right. That was funny. Um, next thing we see is the courtroom. Kylie's lawyer is blaming her crimes on her methamphetamine addiction and wants her placed in a rehab facility, but. This isn't her first offense. It's not her first trip to court-ordered rehab. Um, so instead, the judge sentenced her to eight months of house arrest at her mom's house. A couple uh, uh, things here. A couple problems that I have with this. First of all, Kylie Bucknell is probably the healthiest-looking meth addict ever. Yeah. And secondly, if she was a meth addict, she would not have bothered trying to save her friend. Yeah. But we'll just let that fly. Maybe that's some, some Cheetah County stuff that, that influences my opinion there. A little bit, yeah. It's like uh, <laughs> stuff different in other parts of the world, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just to establish she's like, you know, uh, cutthroat, you know, hooligan that, you know, just doesn't care. But yeah, like, Fucking house arrest, man, for that? You know, what the hell? But I don't know. I guess, like, if I got, like, house arrest for her mom, too, I'd like to get out. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the punishment. The fact that she has to live with her mom for eight months. Not the fact that she's under house arrest. It, it's who she has to live with for the next eight months. That's the yeah. punishment. She's going back home. I mean, Kylie looks like a hood rat. She doesn't look like a meth addict. She looks like she'd be listening to Misfits and going... God, you don't understand. Yeah. Like you a all suck. Picture. Yeah. <laughs> You're so lame. You know, she's like 28 years old, but like, you know, playing like, you know, a 21 or 19 year old. Well, she's the character is supposed to be 23 years old, um, is what her therapist mentions later yeah. on in the movie. That she's 23 years old acting like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then we get driving shots on the way to Kylie's mom's house along the Twin Coast Highway. 
the New Zealand is made up of two big islands and a whole bunch of teeny tiny islands. And the North Island, as it's called, has a highway that runs all the way around the outside of it, covering both the East Coast and the West Coast of the island. That's the Twin Coast Highway. Apparently, it is a huge tourist draw. Folks like to drive around the island. Maybe it's a thing you can do in a day. From what I read on the internet, it's best if you go clockwise around the island, you get better views. So there's your useless trivia for this part of the movie. There's a travel log, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really pretty. Yeah. It's great shot. So. Yeah, it's gorgeous. They arrive in a town called Bulford, the jewel of the Twin Coast Highway. And that's where, that's where her mom's house is, kind of tucked away in a wooded area. Yeah, it looks like a small logging town or something. And the trees are all bare, which gives this house a really creepy look. Yeah, everything that moves looks creepy. There are not a lot of exterior shots of the house, and that is that was due to the budget that they had. But but the house, I mean, it looks like it's been there a long time. It looks like there's not much around it, but you know that does get a little weird. We can. We can blame that on the budget. You know, first of all, they're they're kind of secluded, but later on, there's uh, neighbors and and it's in a neighborhood kind of place rather than in a small out of the way town. Man, eh, I don't know. Doesn't make a big difference in the story though. Yeah, it is some of the once they get to the town area later on, it seems like uh like weird. Like there's the hospital and then like the police station, right. but yeah, starting off, it's like. They're probably like on the edge of town or something when it starts getting to like, you know, dead forests and stuff. Right. But it's well, like- the, they pull into the house and the probation officer offers to give Kylie a few minutes to talk to her mom before they come in and do what they need to do. And that's when Kylie's mom pulls into the driveway and just rear ends them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because it looks like there's more damage to her car than there is there. <laughs> yeah, this chick, man. <laughs> like that's the yeah. Same way they out started the movie off the explosion to her entrance to the story. It's kind of like yeah, getting rear-ended literally. Yep. Now there are some jump scares like this one that totally don't move the story. They don't make a lot of sense. They're just thrown in for seasoning, like a little salt a little in the salty. story. Well, inside the house, the probation officers are fitting Kylie with her ankle monitor. Her mother, Miriam, is annoyingly sunny side about the whole thing. (laughs) And that special, you're getting all this technology right there on your ankle. You you feel important. (laughs) Uh, Kylie's the typical broody, troubled teen looking at Miriam like she's growing an arm out the top of her head or something. Yeah, <laughs> like her mom talking to facing officers or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's like she like the camera cuts from the mother to the daughter, and the daughter like is like looking at the probation. It's like, why don't you just kill me? Oh, man, what you doing? Look what you're leaving me with. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what you get for trying to break into an ATM. You got to live with that woman. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the awkward dinner. Miriam is still trying to connect with Kylie by being super positive. That's a nice phone you got there. Isn't that a nice phone? Is that an iPhone? 
Look at that, Graham. Kylie's got an iPhone. <laughs> I don't know. And Graham has that look um, of uh, just just this look of, of resignation. That he's, he's, he, he doesn't talk much because it doesn't seem like it would do much good if he did. Yeah, he, he's pretty much whipped. He's like a like I don't know like a like a solemn like sad faced dog that just doesn't bark. Yeah, but Miriam on the other hand talks more than enough for both of them. Oh yeah, all for real. Yeah, she's trying to she's she's really trying to connect with her dog. You know that this relationship has been strained for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, Miriam has been trying all along, but she's the only one trying, and it it's. You know, she's heartbroken over it, but she's not going to give up on her daughter. Yeah, but they're like, it's water and oil, you know? It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, a, keep on rolling the rock up the hill. Like, you know, she just can't do it, you know? Right. Well, Kylie goes outside to smoke, and this is where we see her neighbor, Craglin, burning trash. Um, all we do is see him, though. He doesn't actually do anything. I think they see each other. They acknowledge each other's presence. And that's it. Just to establish yeah, that he lived next door. They both stare at each other while he's burning trash, and they both take long drags off their cigarettes. Like, kind of, it cuts back to the house. Yeah. Inside, Miriam's on the phone. Kylie wants to use the phone, but Miriam is busy gossiping with her friend. It's an important phone call. You can wait until I'm finished. This is part of the strain between Miriam and Kylie, is it? Even though Miriam's in her 20s, she still treats her like she's nine. Yeah. I mean, Miriam is probably right to set some boundaries, but it's not going to work. No. Yeah. Well, Kylie heads off into another part of the house. It looks like a library. And there's a radio on with a talk radio program hosted by real-life New Zealand radio personality Andrew Dickens. She's calling in to talk about uh, her house being haunted and she knows it's haunted because there's houses and fluctuations in the power bill and a figure covered by a sheet in the basement. She knows it's a ghost <laughs> because it's got a sheet over it. Scooby-Doo style. Oh yeah. That's, that's one of the key indicators that you're being haunted. Right. <laughs> it's like uh sheets are gone missing, you know, the holes in them and stuff. Yep. Well, after her phone call with on the radio show, Miriam comes in and uh, she's looking for the cigarettes in her purse. Kylie's behind her smoking a cigarette and starts giving her crap about the ghost story. Miriam tries to assert her parent status by telling her we don't smoke in the house. And so that just makes Kylie more aggressively in your face smoke, defiantly smoke. Oh, yeah, like blowing it in your face. Just yeah. Like take a bigger, longer drag on it, yeah. Miriam also reminds Kylie that, uh, you know, I'm not the only one that has seen weird crap in this house. Uh, apparently, when Kylie was a kid, she saw some stuff, too. Then we cut to the bathroom with probably the funniest peeing scene ever. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> First of all, this girl pees a lot. And she's just, she's going, and then all of a sudden there's a sound, and she immediately stops. And there's a pause as she's looking around, starts peeing again. There's a little bit of a sound, and stop. It's like turning a faucet on and off. Yeah. 
never really figure out what it is. It sounds like somebody walking around upstairs, but Kylie's upstairs, I think, where her room is. Yeah, the, she's in the bathroom upstairs. Yeah. In the hall. Yeah. So how somebody's walking around upstairs, I don't know. It's a ghost. Yep, maybe. It's haunted. Well, the next morning, Kylie doesn't want to get out of bed. Then we see her turning on a very ancient computer, like a man. gateway Windows 2000 PC. Oh, man. That's so funny. It's like <laughs> her mom like, comes in, like, mom, work. And uh, like, it's 1130. You're going to get up. Uh, and it's like, oh, 1130. I'm going to be late. And they're like, late for what? Or something. And then, yeah, she comes downstairs. It's like, well, might as well, you know, surf the web or something. I'm here all day. And yeah, it's dial up, man. Dial up internet, yeah. And then it starts smoking and it explodes. Yep. There's a loud pop and the computer powers off. So Kylie's just wandering the house. She heads into the basement and there's another bookshelf there filled with paperbacks. And several of them are stamped inside with the name Sunshine Grove. And she sees a freezer that starts making a weird noise. So she looks at it funny and then just leaves. She goes somewhere else. She's looking out a window and there stands Dennis, her court ordered therapist. Dennis is a happy looking fella. Well, he starts uh, talking with Kylie about how uh, she feels about being back home. They're now sitting in like a den or a living. Uh, Dennis is trying to make small talk with her. Uh, Kylie's just being a dick. Yeah, <laughs> she's good at that. But Dennis really hits a nerve when he starts talking about Kylie's absent father, who has uh, found himself a whole new family in another part of the country. Well, Kylie tells him that she's going to give him two more minutes, and then she's turning on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she does, too. Uh, Kylie's watching Antiques Roadshow, and they are talking about an antique watch. One thing I liked about this movie None of this stuff is throwaway. There's, if you see it in this movie, it's going to come up later in this movie. Yeah, they, they, they really do a good job of uh, using that foreshadowing stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, That's what's really weird about, like, uh, there's a lot of slow parts in the movie. And it's like, the whole thing's like a build-up, you know, and you're cooking. And, like, there's all these little details that you'll miss on your first see of the movie. But then, yeah. like, when you watch it, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they put that right there in the first 15 minutes. Right. It's it like, does I, seem I, like I, this is really a slow burn at first. But then, like, the second time you watch it through or even the third time you watch it through, you see that this is not a slow burn. This is a massive data dump. Yeah. So if you're keeping track so far, we've heard about... uh a ghost under a sheet. We've heard about fluctuating power bills. We've met the neighbor next door. We've seen the name of a place stamped inside the books. And we've seen a watch on Antiques Roadshow. Every one of these things is going to come up later in this movie. <laughs> Kylie's watching Antiques Roadshow and they're talking about this expensive watch. Miriam comes home with the biggest bag of potatoes I've seen in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and Kylie um, has just trashed the kitchen and is eating in the living room. 
she apparently has eaten an entire meatloaf, though she claims she didn't eat it all. Uh, there's nothing left of it. So Miriam has to go back to the store to find something to make for dinner that night. That night, Kylie's watching an old black and white movie. No, any chance you know what she was watching? Uh, I don't. I don't either. I didn't it look it like, up either. Uh, it looked like uh, some kind of like uh, Jack Chan cereal, or not Jack Chan, but Charlie Chan. But uh, yeah, it looked like something like old black and white detective movie. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he's pretty much taken over uh, living room, and so like uh, her mom and her stepdad come in. They're like, you know, our show comes on every Thursday and Friday. And you know, we watch it together. Yeah. They've got to watch Coronation. It's time for Coronation Street. Yeah. Um, which uh, apparently that's a big deal for them. Uh, but Kylie, being the jerk that she is, she just turns the TV up louder and ignores them. So they try to watch it upstairs in the bedroom with crappy reception on a little tiny black and white TV. And it in Miriam's just brute. She's going on and on. Of course, Miriam's always going on about something. She is always uh, running full throttle. Yeah, never stop. Yep. Cut to Kylie asleep in front of the TV. She wakes up when a shadow moves across her face, and then she hears the broken computer power on. Apparently, it's been fixed somehow, and it's working just fine. Awesome. That creeps Kylie out, so she unplugs it, and when, uh, and then I guess she heads to bed. Trying to get to sleep to the sound of a cat in heat outside. <laughs> then her cell phone starts ringing with that super annoying Hello Moto ringtone. Oh, yeah. Hello Moto. Well, she can't find the phone anywhere. Um, she eventually tracks the phone to the basement and then the lights go out. So she grabs a flashlight and she's looking around the room and there's a cabinet. If you see a cabinet, you got to look inside the cabinet. Those are the rules. <laughs> yeah. If the camera comes across the cabinet, massive cabinet, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You got to open it up and look in. Yep. And so she does. And that's when a figure in a white sheet topples on top of her. But don't worry, it's not a ghost, it's just Jesus. What? It's a statue of Jesus fell on top of her. Oh, yeah. That little, <laughs> okay. Hey, it, it was funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate jump scares, but this one, they really use them to build it. It's like, it's yeah. kind of cool, a little, like, you know, I don't know, break check on everything going on in the movie. Right. I mean, this... This movie would be a real slog if they didn't break it up once in a while. And so that's what they use the jump scares for, is to break it up once in a while. It's a joke this time. It's a jump scare next time. Yeah. Well, while she's in the basement, her ankle monitor starts beeping to indicate that she is out of bounds. And um, that's going to set off an alarm and notify her probation officer. She looks down as her ankle monitor starts beeping, and that's where we see a hand reach out from under this cracked cabinet and grab her ankle. Well, she stumbles backwards into some shelves, and that's when a fishnet drops on her because who doesn't have a fishnet in their basement? You got a fishnet in your basement, Jesse? Not anymore. I had to get rid of it. 
uh, I kept on getting tangled up in it. So I, I, I know where, you know, come from. Those things are <laughs> health bad. And I couldn't go to the bathroom without, like, you know, caught up in it. But uh, there's a lot of creepy stuff in that basement. You got the a Jesus statue. A lot of creepy stuff. There's, like, baby doll heads in a box or something. Just creepy as hell. There is nothing hurt. creepier than disconnected baby doll parts. I know, right? And they got a box. Yep. I used to you work know, with a woman cool. who kept a little candy dish on the file cabinet by her desk. And the only thing in the candy dish was teeny tiny baby doll hands and feet. Oh, man, that's creepy. As there hell. wasn't a baby doll anywhere, but she had baby doll hands and feet in that candy dish. That sounds like something from a Stephen King novel. <laughs> <laughs> like who does that yeah, it was it was awesome so. <laughs> yeah. but i stick i stick by it there's nothing creepier than disconnected baby doll part oh yeah no. and then if you just baby dolls like reconnect them make a centipede or something out of it you need you need <laughs> help you need straight jacket or something well miriam comes down the stairs and starts giving a mom lecture you know some of us have to get up in the morning yeah uh, Kylie explains that there's somebody down here, but Miriam's not having any of it. She heads back upstairs until they hear something clanking. Uh, when they go to investigate, uh, the front door is open and there's somebody upstairs. Well, Kylie grabs a wooden statue that she's going to use as a weapon. Miriam doesn't want her to use it as a weapon. Don't break it. It's genuine Cameroon. Well, Kylie assures her that it won't break. And that's when Amos comes down the stairs and Kylie attacks him with the statue. And yeah, it breaks. <laughs> um, mm. Amos was uh, in the house because Kylie's ankle monitor went off and he lives in the neighborhood. So he just got out of bed, came to find out what's going on. Um, this is like a thing. This is like, like just conveniently for this movie. Uh, Amos is a guy. Who works for the state is security guy, and he monitors the. He's the one that puts the ankle bracelets on and stuff, and he keeps track of stuff. Right, he's like the track. He's like he a has, contractor for the probation office. He just happens to live in the neighborhood. Right. Yeah, like put enough personal interest into this, like uh, chick, you know, go over there and check it out. Well, they must have convinced another. Amos to investigate because now he's checking things out downstairs. He had the presence of mind to turn some damn lights on down there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Miriam is looking quite smug because she's convinced Kylie actually saw the ghost. Well, that's all Amos needs to hear because as it turns out, he's an amateur ghost hunter also. Right, so yeah, this is where the movie starts picking in. As soon as you bring up the ghost thing and you get an amateur ghost hunter there, you just, that's where it's like, okay, there's a cop. This is where yeah. we'll see. Movie starts picking up. And so Amos starts asking questions of the ghost. He's got his little tape recorder and he's asking the ghost questions. And after the third question, Kylie says, you really think he's going to answer you? And he says, maybe they already have. And plays the tape back and of course there's nothing except him. Well, yeah. I'll run it through a filter later. <laughs> yeah, I gotta run. That's how these things work. You gotta run it through a program. 
Well, Miriam uh, is explaining that her ex actually bought this house. The previous owner passed away. Uh, Amos kind of perks up at that one. Really, what happened to her? Oh, no, she was old. That's all. Yeah. But her uh, her ex-husband bought this house. And Miriam actually, can, it used to be a bed and breakfast. And Miriam actually toyed with the idea of turning it back into a bed and breakfast. Uh, Kylie asked them why they're going to turn it into a bed and breakfast in the middle of nowhere. It's not in the middle of nowhere. It's on the Twin Coast Highway. A lot of tourists come through here at 60 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this isn't the first time they've had that conversation either. Miriam. Oh, it's the next morning when they're doing this. Amos is putting up uh, cameras and temperature sensors to monitor paranormal activity in the house miriam tells him to be careful watch for power lines as he mounts his cameras no never don't worry about it i always turn the power off and that's when <laughs> he gets zapped of course oh man all my electron or electric friends that always have yep like every time they say that exact line they're gonna get shot every time every single time kylie is making fun of Amos for believing in ghosts. So he says, oh, that's, that's nice. What are you going to do when a ghost actually shows up? Huh? What are you going to do then? Oh, I'll just punch it in the face. Uh, you can't punch it in the face because ghosts don't have face. I'll kick him in the balls. Then. <laughs> it's probably how they got that computer thing. Someone kicked that computer in the balls. Yeah. Right up. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like in our last movie. That 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 just that line so glad. <laughs> Stupid but, machine needs a kick in the ball. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Next we have a cliche scene. It was a dark and stormy night. Kylie wakes up to strange voices. It turns out that it's a Teddy Ruxpin with rundown batteries. Oh, those are creepy. Yeah. And when she sees it move and talk, um. Uh, she punches it in the face. <laughs> then she well, kicks it. Then she smashes it in a drawer. Then she tries to choke it. It's still moving and talking. The batteries are run down real low, so you can't understand what it's saying, but it won't shut up even after she chokes the fake Eddie bear. So she tosses it in the fireplace. Yeah, that, that thing freaked me out. That was like a, a legit jump scare. <laughs> I was just like not a Teddy Ruskin like would think like this is like some knockoff real like made for right. This is the creepiest thing. He's got like this stupid haircut and wearing like a, I don't know like a windbreaker or something. Nightmare fuel. Right. So uh, it, think imagine you wanted a Teddy Ruxpin and instead of going to Toys R Us and paying the eighty seven dollars for Teddy Ruxpin. Your mom went to Aldi and paid $17 for Edward the Bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Next morning in the shower, uh, Kylie is taking a shower and we see the shower door slide open. And Kylie looks down and something freaks her out. She knocks the little shower caddy off the wall opens the door, and throws out a soggy yet charred Teddy Ruxpin. It's still talking. 
It's still talking. And it's in the shower with her. Well, Amos is back. He's wearing a Tyvek suit this time. Just in case, you know, you don't want to get ectoplasm on your clothes. Bill Murray taught us that. Oh, yeah. Batman, what happened? Are you okay? He slimed me. That's great. Actual physical contact. Can you move? Ray, Ray, come in, please. I feel so funky. Spangler, I'm with Bankman. Oh. You got slime. That's great, Ray. Save some for me. He's, uh, yeah, it's like a, uh, it's like suit tie on underneath. And then, like, yeah, full body cut. Right. He's taking pictures of the Teddy Ruxpin. And then he's leaving. I think he's got the Teddy Ruxpin tied up in a trash bag also. Yeah, he put it in, like, an old plastic bag. He, like, uh, he had, like, a red light, like, shining his eyes. Yeah, it was shining a laser pointer in its eyes for some reason. And then I never did figure that out. It's the ghost light. Yeah. Well, Kylie asked if he checked the cameras. He said, wasted my time watching eight hours of footage, waiting for a bear to crawl out of the fireplace, and it never happened. He's starting to get fed up with Kylie. Next, we cut to Dennis trying to explain to Kylie how the brain works. Kylie starts to open up to him about the house being haunted, and he decides that what she needs is something to keep her mind occupied. Uh, She is suffering from an overactive imagination, trapped in an underactive house. So why don't you take a correspondence course? Here's a catalog. (laughs) And she actually considers it. You know, she's going to sign up for these courses online, I guess. She must really be bored. She's in her bedroom looking through the catalog for this correspondence school when her closet door creaks open. So she does the only thing that a sane person would do when a door swings open on its own. She takes the door off its hinges. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, mean, it kind of makes sense. It it won't happen again, right? Only a crazy person would walk over there and just push the door shut. A truly <laughs> rational person would just pull the door off the hinges. Well, if it's still on its hinges, that means it can open back up again. But if you take it off the hinges, you ain't got to worry about the ghost. That's true. That's true. So she sits back down, and she can actually see the the closet in the mirror. And we're watching over her shoulder as this is happening. And inside the closet, a smaller closet door swings open. And now it's super creepy. First, it was just a door that was that was uh, not latched securely, but now, now it's really weird. That's good. <clears throat> so, a tiny door creaks open, revealing a, a cubby hole. Let's crawl inside the cubby hole, and inside are a whole bunch of toys and pictures from her childhood. Uh, like a dog, a hobby horse, all kinds of crap in her birdcage yep a xylophone that we're going to see a little bit later in the movie and her tap shoes which after all these years still fit perfectly so why not start dancing yes yeah little kid feet or this is like total movie bullshit because yeah those are like it shows little shoes and then immediately she has to start tap dancing right which means as a small child who was taking tap dance lessons, she had freakishly large feet. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that's when Dennis, when Graham comes into the room and scares the crap out. Graham wanted to see if she would be willing to help him fix the statue that she broke. Um, and she tells him to piss off. So he does. And then we see Dan, uh, Graham coming out of uh, a little part of the basement. And Kylie has reconsidered and she's downstairs to help. Graham is really socially awkward. Oh, yeah. He is struggling, and I mean seriously struggling to find words to make conversation. Catherine um, there, like, as a, like a kind of false thing, like, she helps me with this. She gets there, it's like, what do I got to do? Hold this. And then he glues the thing and he puts the tie piece onto the bottom piece she's holding. It's like, yep. how long do I got to do? Like, like, 10, ten minutes. minutes. <laughs> and she's like, shit. <laughs> the most awkward conversation ever had right they start talking about all the stuff that stashed down there in the basement and graham says that most of this stuff was here when they bought the house why didn't they take this stuff with them and he said i don't know maybe they left in a hurry i'm sure most of it was probably donated well why would people donate stuff to a bed and breakfast and that's when Graham gets the oh shit look on his face. Because yeah, he, he realizes uh, that Miriam never told Kylie the truth about what was going on in this house before they bought it. So Kylie goes back and checks those paperback books. Remember, they had uh, the name of a place, Sunshine Grove, stamped inside every one of them. So she goes up to the computer and she starts, she doesn't Google. She goes to ask.com. <laughs> you remember when that was Ask Jeeves? I do. I remember that. <laughs> and looks up this place, and it turns out it was a mental health uh, residential treatment facility. And so like court ordered BNB. <laughs> what's that? It's like a court ordered BNB, you know? Yes, court ordered bed and breakfast. Absolutely. And just before it shut down, a teenage girl was murdered in that house. Well, Miriam finally comes clean about the history of the house. Um, turns out the girl was stabbed 67 times with a meat fork in Kylie's bedroom. Yeah. And when Kylie asked Miriam, why didn't she tell me about that? Well, she gives the only answer that makes sense. You were four. I wasn't going to tell a four-year-old that. And then later on, there never was a good time, I guess. By the time it was old enough for her to find out about it, she already ran away from home. So. Right. Um, Kylie hands all this information over to Amos. She wants Amos to get rid of the ghost of the murdered girl. But Amos says, maybe that's not possible. Maybe you just need to try being her friend. <laughs> Next, we see Kylie with her lawyer and Dennis. She wants her lawyer to get her transferred to another facility where she can serve the rest of her sentence. The lawyer tells her that's not going to happen unless she can prove that she's a danger to herself or somebody else. That's when Miriam walks in with a plate of uh, tea and cookies. Uh, so she just knocks the tray out of Miriam's hand and then goes after a drying rat and Tears that apart and then looks around to see if that had the desired effect. Do I look dangerous now? 
kind of was awkward. It was super awkward. It was like, I don't know, man, like uh, trying to be a tough ass, just come off as being like goofy and, you know. Yeah. Tough, opposite effect of what she did. She's like that uh, that girl in Breakfast Club. You know oh, what Allie I'm talking about? Allie Pete's character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's off a lot of that vibe. Yeah. Like she wants to be dark and dangerous, but she's like this hurt little girl or something. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, Dennis starts to tell Miriam that her superstitions about the ghost might be affecting Kylie, and that's when the power goes out. Well, Miriam's going to go to the switch box to the su- to see if it's a trip circuit breaker. She's <laughs> flipping switches. Anything now? No. What about now? No. And she flips another switch, and the light comes on for just a second, and there's a sh- ghost under a sheet standing right behind Dennis and then the light goes out and there's a a sound of a scuffle and the light comes back on and Dennis has been stabbed with the drying rack right through his hand there's a funny bit though with that it's like you see the ghost and then the light goes back off they're like oh no wait that was it and then you hear the scuff like right no one saw the ghost though yeah, no one saw the ghost. Dennis just sitting there oblivious, and there's the ghost under an old sheet behind it. It looks like an old gray quilt of some kind. Yeah. It, it, old, it's dusty. pretty bulky. It's got like some kind of tassels or something sticking off of it. Right. Uh, but yeah, that thing, not only is it funny, but it's scary. It's scary as shit because it's totally unexpected. Right. It, like You should know, a trophy movie like this, when the lights go off, there's going to be something happening, but that little comedy bit where, oh no, wait, that, that was it, that was split. And then, <laughs> it's like, I don't know whether I'm scared shitless because there's like a killer standing like two feet next to me, or to laugh my ass off because like how home drum that scene plays off. Exactly. Then, uh, when the lights come back on, you got that thing that was throwing around the room earlier, it's, it's like sticking him through the hand, like all the way through his hand. Right. It's story as hell. Well, cut to outside. Police are taking a statement. Kylie is absolutely convinced that, I mean, she's trying to convince the police that she didn't attack him. Kylie wasn't even in the room when this happened. Um, So the police want to talk to Miriam alone. Uh, Miriam seems a little embarrassed about the whole ghost story, but she's sticking to it. And so the police are going to put that down as the statement that, uh, it was a vengeful ghost that attacked Dennis. Probably put an asterisk beside that because she was acting out earlier. Now, right, try to seem like she was a badass, and then like so that kind of like looked bad on her retrospect. Yep. But back yeah, her in, mom's back. What was that? Her mom's got her back. You know, she's like, yeah, no, go. Yep. Back in the basement, Kylie is trying to talk to the ghost of this murdered teenage girl, and you see the camera. Almost looked like somebody tried to sneak up behind her, but there's no payoff on that. Then she hears some creaking overhead, and we see a, a pipe, and, and it sounds like you know the marble running through the rolling through the pipes. And yeah. finally, something planks down into the furnace, and the door of the furnace swings open. Inside the flue, she sees a partial denture, and then hears the Hello Moto ringtone again. I don't think she ever gets to this phone, ever. No. 
Back inside her room, she pulls the cover off of a heat duct. Don't know why. I think she's looking to see, you know, how things went through down through that uh, duct into the furnace. But inside this uh, heat vent, she finds a box. And inside the box is a bag of weed. <laughs> and that same antique watch that we saw on Antique Roadshow. Yeah, there's like a sort of jewels, but yeah, that. Yeah, it's like the same watch. And if we, if you were paying attention when Antiques Roadshow was on, you heard that that watch is worth about a quarter million dollars. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, which just happens to be how much they could have made this movie for if the script had been written ahead of time. <laughs> uh, what's his name shows up and he, he uh, she shows them the teeth that she found in that watch. Right. Um. Let's see here. Yeah, Kylie tells Amos that she thinks the girl was a thief robbing the neighbors, and she probably one of them caught her and killed her. Cut to Max Craglin skinning a possum next door. Oh, man. That is a gory scene because not only does he skin the possum, he takes the skin and he pins it up on a clothesline with a bunch of other skins that he's taken off the pot. Yeah, um, they're, wa- they're watching for of binoculars right right kylie has explained that miriam has had to call the town council several times because of a horrible smell that drifts over from craglin's property amos tells her you know probably skinning the possum could could make that smell but kylie is convinced that that smell is the smell of rotting dead people that craglin is a mass murderer also, didn't she say something about, like, uh, there was a bunch of fetuses in his refrigerator? Yeah, she said that uh, when they called the town council, her mother said that they went over, the, the folks from the city went over to investigate, and they found a freezer full of aborted fetuses. Uh, Amos puts that off to Miriam's wild imagination, and he's probably he's definitely right. Yeah. But then we see Craglin trying to twist the top off of a bottle with his teeth, and he can't get it, and he stops, and, and he takes out his dentures. Um, all right, we're going to break into his house and steal his dentures to see if they match the one found. That makes <laughs> sense. We're just going to, yeah, let's just go steal his dentures. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Obvious progression, you know. Also, it just so happens. It helps out that the guy that's going to help her break into the two houses, the guy that curls the computer that tracks her every movement. Right. So if she does leave the property with him, he doesn't have to report that to the probation officer, especially if they're breaking into somebody's house. (laughs) Well, Kylie is getting ready to break a window. They've snuck onto Craglin's property and she's pulled a spark out of a car in case she needs it to break a window. Uh, Amos doesn't want her to break a window, and she says, well, what do you think? He's just going to leave the key under the mat? <laughs> so she runs over to the house, and she's stacking up boxes and stuff to get up to the window, and she moves a cooler, and under it was the key to the door. Yeah, he, he like, <laughs> like about to smash the window. He's like, he's like, you know, I can't believe, yeah. Yeah, right there it is. Well, inside the house, this place is a mess. There, there's dirty dishes and just stuff piled everywhere. 
Amos is sneaking around outside, but he sneaks about like I do, meaning he bumps into everything <laughs> and makes a whole bunch of noise. He's a big dude. And if he doesn't bump into it, he trips over it. Yeah. It, this, yeah this guy looks like a wrestler. He's like a big dude. And like, so, like, him just trying to, like, sneak in an open space would, you know, probably be pretty hard, you know, because it's so big. But then, yeah, you're, like, in, like, compound, like, you know, Porter's house with, like, a bunch of shit everywhere, like, piles of boxes. Right. It's, it's a bull in a china shop. Well, snooping around in the kitchen, Kylie hears the sound, and she finds Cragland asleep in the living room. So she's going to go try to steal the dentures right out of his mouth. I mean, she's got those fingers. Deep in his mouth. Yeah, that's fucked up. And eventually it wakes him up. So a shadow moving across Kylie's face will wake him, wake her up. But uh, three knuckles deep inside this guy's mouth. And it's going to take a minute to wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, you know, that's alcohol for you. He's probably an alcoholic. Probably. Probably. Well, it does wake him up eventually. So Kylie and Amos run off, but Amos steps into a bear trap. What the hell is a bear trap doing in the middle of this guy's yard? Well, he's, he's crazy psycho. Well, it's probably for the possum. I didn't think about that. I thought it was like <laughs> a minefield of like crafts out there. Maybe. Like, uh, that, that, that totally like really, uh, it's like this goofy ass comedy. And then like all of a sudden, yeah, guy's got his foot bear trap you're like whoa that got serious again real quick except that it's a bear trap <laughs> yeah um yeah so they can't get him out so kylie just finds his camper shell that's sitting on the ground because well it's a junky old house and she just drags it over and covers him up and you're gonna hide under here nobody will know you're in here and she runs off well craglin goes back inside gets a gun and goes after her Amos has to call information to get the phone number to, to Kylie's house. Yeah. But he does get it, and he calls to warn her that Cragland is coming. He's on his way with a gun. You got to get out of there. Well, it's too late to get out, so she runs down into the basement, grabs the hedge clippers, and hides in a closet. We hear somebody coming down the stairs, assume it's Cragland following her, when the door opens, Kylie stabs with the hedge clippers. It, it wasn't Craglin. She just stabbed Graham in the gut with the hedge clippers. Oh, man. And it goes off, too. Like, just blood gut everywhere. He goes up like a fountain. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't scream anything. You know, he's a quiet dude. But he kind of gives her this look like, uh, 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 you know, like. Right. And then she pulls the hedge clippers out. And that starts the blood fountain right there. It's like all over his face, the neck, crap, like all over the floor. It's yeah. squirting up her. It gets like gets her in the face, like the fake, you know, squeeze bottle shot. And next we see Miriam arriving at the hospital. It turns out Graham's gonna be okay. Then we see Kylie and Miriam having a very awkward dinner. I mean, what do you say to somebody that just stabbed your husband? Yeah. <laughs> And then Miriam heads off to the hospital and Kylie starts feeling guilty. So she's going to be good now. And she starts cleaning the entire house. That night we see Craglin leaving in the world's oldest, dirtiest minivan. 
There's one clean spot. It's where he turned the wiper on so he could see out the windshield. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to get new dentures or what, um, but Amos is parked outside on stakeout. After Craglin leaves, Amos breaks into his house. He's trying to find the dentures that Kylie dropped when she took them out of his out of his mouth. Instead, he finds a bunch of newspaper articles about the girl that was murdered in Kylie's house. Amos takes some pictures of these, and when the camera flashes for one of the pictures, we actually see Craglin reflected in a mirror. Yeah, that was a cool shot because I was like, uh, "Did that? Did he really see that, or is that like the you know the director playing with like you know your imagination acting up on you and?" Uh, a situation like that, you know, it's a really cool executed shot. Like, cause it, it looks like he does disappear with the flash of light and then he's not there. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you see him in the mirror. So obviously the next thing you expect is for him to jump out, grab him or chase him or something. And that doesn't happen. Um, Amos just puts his camera away and heads for the door. He gets outside and closes the door and here's, so you just browsing or what? <laughs> and that yeah, that's what falls over like a like a silly ass. <laughs> yeah. Turns out Craglin was just waiting outside for it. Um, Amos explains that uh, I know what you did. I know you killed that girl. And uh, Craglin says, eh, maybe you need some more facts before you jump to a conclusion. Come here and let me show you something. And that's when he tells a story about his son, though he wasn't really his son. He was the son of a prostitute, that, and he wasn't right because he didn't talk much. He would never go outside, ever, but he could fix anything and most times prove it. And he'd basically take anything apart, put it back together. Uh, until the day Craglin caught him taking the legs off of a possum to see if he could put them on backwards. Damn. <clears throat> so he did what any drunk would do. He beat the kid. Uh, the problem was he beat the kid with a tire chain. And the next day when he went back to apologize for what he'd done, Eugene was gone. Never knew where he went. Uh, but. Like you said, he never went outdoors, so his makes his disappearance even more strange. And all of this took place about a year before that girl next door got killed. Eugene was actually living in the basement, which is only accessible through a window, like a crawl space under Craglin's house. That was just bizarre. Yeah. Well, Kylie finds a secret passage in the back of the closet when she's putting away the vacuum cleaner. Uh, she's trying to get the vacuum cleaner put away. The door won't close. So shoving it in there as hard as she can and shoves it all the way through the back wall of the closet. That's when she finds this little crawl space. So she goes to investigate. It's like a, a secret passage between walls. And she finds a peephole in there. And looking through this peephole, there's a whole bunch of stuff up in the attic. And when she's looking around, she sees there's also a person up in the attic. <laughs> Somebody uh, looks filthy, big wiry hair, watching a black and white TV, listening to headphones. Uh, that scares the crap out of 
So she's trying not to make any noise, but she's also trying to get herself under control. Um, when she does get herself back under control, she looks through that peephole again, and that person's gone now. Where could he be, Jesse? Uh, he's right behind her. He's right behind her, peeping through the insulation. Well, she screams, and he lunges for her, and a chase ensues. All right. Well, it goes back to the guy out there in the uh, oh yeah the car. He's got that teddy bear in the sack. Yeah, Amos is out in his car when all of a sudden the teddy ruck, he's trying to call Kylie. As Kylie is crawling through the, the end of the closet, we hear the phone ring, but she ignores it. Uh, he finally gets frustrated and hangs up. And that's when the teddy ruckspin starts talking and says, you can leave a message by pushing the button on my fanny pack. So Amos opens it up and he takes out a little micro cassette that's stored in there and plays it. And he hears a conversation between a very young Kylie and somebody. And she asks him what his name is. And he says, Eugene. So apparently when when Craglin beat Eugene, Eugene didn't go far. He just went next door the year before that little girl got murdered. Kylie sneaking around in the attic, finding people. Uh, She falls through the... Yeah, she looks up and and she says sees Eugene's head poking through the insulation. So she screams. He grabs for her. He starts chasing her through this crawl space between the walls. And that's when she punches him in the face and then falls through the ceiling into a gap between the walls downstairs uh, where she's able to break through the wall and fall out of the pantry into the kitchen. The guy tries to follow her out uh, to a truck. She hot wires the truck. Don't know where the truck came from. Uh, Miriam drives that little bitty car. There weren't any other vehicles there. The truck just kind of appeared in the driveway. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Rams. I don't know. They don't really establish that. But yeah, there's just a random, uh, like, Misty Bisky pickup truck. Right. As she hot wires it, drives off, we see uh, Eugene outside the truck trying to get in then she hot wires the truck gets it started eugene's nowhere around she drives off and that's when we see there's a tarp over the bed of the truck so my obvious assumption is eugene's in the truck with her but she manages to drive away um yeah she's pulling out though what's his name pulling in right she passes amos on the street Amos is on the way to Kylie's house because, well, the alarm has gone off that she's gone again. Uh, Also, he's heard that uh, she was talking to Eugene uh, on that Teddy Ruxpin tape. Amos Amos arrives at the house and Kylie is gone, so he uses the tracker to follow her ankle monitor. She's gone to the police station where a police officer is doing a seriously half-assed job of taking her statement. (laughs) because she's talking a mile a minute he goes hold on i missed that uh all right what was everything else that you said (laughs) vacuum and the closet that's not even half ass that's like just a quarter ass he's probably being a deliberate jerk yeah uh, just because of the way kylie is yeah because this isn't even his third or fourth interaction with kylie yeah he knows her like in the past 
48 hours, this chick has caused so much paperwork for this guy. Right. Well, Miriam gets home. She finds the door open and the house trashed. So, of course, she rolls her eyes and being the long-suffering mother that she is, starts cleaning things up. Because, well, Kylie has been Kylie again and just trashed the house. So she's picking up all the cans and stuff, putting everything back in the pantry. The wall in the pantry has been repaired. by Yeah, it's like nothing happened. Like nothing happened, except there's a little bitty hole in the drywall. Kylie's trying to convince the police there's a man living in the walls of her house. She wants him to call the house and warn her mom. Instead, they call the probation office. That's when Amos arrives and tells the police, she's telling the truth. You guys got to come with me. There's somebody in the wall. Yeah. Back at the house, the police are there. Everybody's in the pantry. Uh, the wall's been repaired, and uh, Miriam is still putting everything away when she hears a noise in the pantry. She's closed. She's put everything up. She's closed the door, and then she hears a noise inside there. But she's just about to open the door and investigate when the doorbell rings. So she goes to answer the door instead. Um, the police have searched the house, and of course, the only thing they found was the bag of pot that Kylie found in the hit box with watch. Oh, man. <laughs> Dennis. Not stash, man. What's that? I was like, that's not even my stash, man. I can get busted for this. It's not. That's a dead 14-year-old girl stuff. That's not mine. I was just holding it for her. Yeah. <laughs> Besides, you guys got to tell me your cops if I ask. That's the law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dennis is trying to convince Kylie that she has dissociative identity disorder. Um, Kylie is convinced there's a man in the walls, and, and she asks Miriam to back her up, but Miriam won't do it this time. So she runs to the kitchen, and she rips apart the pantry, uh, but the hole behind the wall has been boarded up, and after things are calm, Dennis proposes putting Kylie in a psych clinic. Kylie ripped out the, the drywall in the pantry. See that hole there? That told you there's somebody there and she rips it out, but the only thing behind it is more wall. And it's been completely boarded up. Dennis wants to put Kylie in a psychiatric hospital. And Miriam's kind of on board with it at this point. She's had enough finally. Um, one of the cops is good, and Dennis are going to stay with Miriam the night to make sure nothing bad happens. And then in the morning, they're going to take Kylie to a psychiatric hospital. Miriam is has brought in tea and cookies. Uh, Dennis bites into one of the cookies and pops his dentures loose. So Kylie is now convinced that Eugene is trying to kill Dennis because maybe Dennis was a doctor at this clinic and had something to do with that girl's death. And Eugene saw it. So she wants Miriam to distract the cop at Dennis uh, while she goes to check on something. Well, how do you want me to distract him? Just do what you do. So <laughs> Miriam goes in and she does that. And man, she starts that motor running and her mouth goes nonstop and none of them can get a word in. That's what she does, man. <laughs> Until Dennis finally yells at her to shut her up. I need to use the bathroom, please. <laughs> Next, we see um, 
Kylie in the basement. She's going through a box of files that just happened to be down there from when this place was a, a psychiatric halfway house. And these were violently, uh, violently ill teens that were st- that were housed at this place. Uh, but there is an incident report. His Dennis did work at this place when it was a was a psychiatric halfway house. And on his very first day, uh, he was in a counseling session with the young girl who got killed. And he was having trouble uh, maintaining control of the conversation. So he decided they were going to use a talking stick. And at some point, another member of the staff came into the room to find the girl beating the crap out of Dennis with the talking stick. Well, Miriam appears behind Kylie at this point and just scares the crap out. Miriam's supposed to be upstairs with Dennis and the cop. What's going on? Well, they needed to use the bathroom. So they go back upstairs, but uh, the cop's gone. Dennis is gone and the bathroom is empty. So they go looking to find out where these guys are, um, they find Dennis in the upstairs bathroom. Well, why didn't you use the bathroom downstairs? Well, I wanted to be discreet. How'd you know there was a bathroom upstairs, Dennis? Have you been here before? Yeah. Yeah, she totally calls before. him out on it. She does. She calls him out and he goes full Jack Nicholson in The Shining at this point. I want to point out that uh dennis is dressed up exactly like, like that bear shit out of that's true point. he has that same jacket on and he never takes that coat off yeah nah never and takes that coat off it's like yeah some stupid windbreaker from like the late 80s early 90s and yeah at this point you know dennis is the bad guy yeah um because that that uh incident report they actually recommended reassigning Dennis somewhere else. He was working there as an unpaid intern um, and they recommended reassigning him somewhere else. But Dennis said that he would handle it using the alternative action. Uh, Never said what that was, but Kylie suggests to Dennis that maybe the alternative action he took was to kill the girl. And turns out she's right because Dennis is going to try to kill her and Miriam now. Well, they run from him. Uh, they run into the kitchen or somewhere. Well, not get like a kitchen knife. Yeah, Kylie picked up a kitchen knife on their way to find Dennis and the cop. And a cheese grater. And a cheese grater. She's got the cheese, her hand stuck inside the cheese grater. So she's wearing the cheese grater like a power glove. Yeah. And, uh, of course, like Dennis starts like chasing them and stuff, and yep. then they're in bed. He attacks them with a butcher knife. Right. Somehow it. he gets the knife away from Kylie, uh, and that's when Kylie kicked him in the balls. He goes down, and she uses the cheese grater on uh, on Dennis's face. Yeah, that that starts well, it off. Dennis rolls over, rolls her over. He's on top of her now. He's gonna stab her. But Miriam to the rescue, and she shoves a plastic laundry basket over his head. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like his one arm out with the knife. 
Yeah, he can't pull the basket off his head, so he's got his arm with the knife is inside the basket, and he's just trying to cut through the basket. <laughs> and he's like running at them through the hall with this damn laundry basket on with a knife. Right. They're running screaming from him, and it's just funny shit. It is. But they run into the downstairs bathroom and uh, slam the door in his face. Uh, Kylie is about to climb out through the bathroom window and that's when miriam uh points out something in the shower and they open the shower door and out falls the cop he's dead he's been stabbed in the back of the neck with a corkscrew now apparently a corkscrew will go in a lot easier than it will come out because there's this comical <laughs> scene with them just flailing this dead cop around trying to yank the corkscrew out of the back of his neck <laughs> Miriam yeah. holding on to his head while she tries to pull the corkscrew out. The whole um, time, like, cut through the door. Yeah, Dennis has found a circular saw somewhere, and he's going to slice through the door. Jack Nicholson used an axe, but Dennis is a much more uh, uh, direct guy. He's going to use the circular saw and cut through the door. Kylie asked uh, Miriam if she's got some scissors. Uh, she wants to cut the ankle bracelet. To trigger the alarm so that police will come. Uh, so Miriam hands her some tiny little cuticle scissors. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. So she's going to look for something better. She opens up the cabinet under the bathroom sink. And there's Yuji. And he motions them to follow him. So they're going to they're crawl into his little hideout through the bathroom sink. Except Miriam's ass gets stuck. <laughs> I'm bottom heavy. Leave me alone. <laughs> I put on a little weight, okay? Don't don't give me such a hard time. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Dennis is about to Jack Nicholson his way through this door. Kylie needs to stall him while Miriam manages to squeeze through the door under the cabinet. So she gets a cigarette lighter and a can of hairspray and just flamethrowers through the hole in the door right into Dennis face that buys him a minute or so but then the hairspray runs out um just like the flamethrower did in rats <laughs> <laughs> let's see what happens whenever you introduce like a well miriam finally got into the cabinet so kylie dives in there she's gonna get under there she's gonna crawl into there too they should be home free except that dennis comes through the door he's still got the knife and he just stabs it down into the back of Kylie's leg and gives it a big old twist. Yeah, that's uh that's another like really cool shot where it's like, Oh my god, I got caught and then thinks he's gonna kick him and not. He actually does get like a stab in, kinda of slows down there for a second, and then sure enough she kicked him and it went on through. Right. They got in through it closed the everything off. Uh, Dennis rips the cabinet away from the wall, but by now that, you know, the hideaway is shut up pretty good. Remember, Dennis makes things a whole lot better than they were before. So he's closed this off in a way that they just can't get through, uh, that Dennis can't get through to, to follow them. Uh, they follow, they, Dennis leads them off to his little hideaway where he was, um, where he wa was watching TV. And that's when the, the doorbell rings. Up. Yep. That's when yeah. the doorbell rings. Amos is there. Dennis uh, actually answers the door. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Eugene is trying to kill us all. You got to help us. 
Um, but we probably know that uh, uh, Dennis is going to try to kill Amos. So Amos is searching for Kylie, and he thinks he's found um, a hole uh, or a hidden doorway. And Dennis is walking up behind uh, Amos with a knife. He's going to stab Amos, uh, but Amos says, you got something I can use to pry this open? Oh, thanks. And just grabs, takes the knife away from him. Yeah. Just as casual as could be. Just takes the knife. No, this is too thin. I need something else. Um, and that's when we see Dennis just bash Amos over the head. Amos is out of the race now. Damn. And he takes the tracker that Amos was using to try to find Kylie. So now Dennis has a way, a means of finding Kylie also. Kylie and Miriam are climbing up a ladder into Eugene's hideout. Kylie finds a telephone there, but it just turns the microwave on. <laughs> Eugene is hiding in a corner, uh, but he comes out to give Kylie a first aid kit. Miriam says, what do you say? What? Thank the man. <laughs> Who do you think that owns it? She she never she can never stop being the parent of a small child ever oh, ever. Well, she tries to bandage up her leg, um, and then Miriam says, "Here, you need something to drink." And she hands Kylie a pitcher, but it's not water. That's Eugene's chamber pot. Yeah, it's rowdy with piss. Eugene thinks that's hilarious because, well, it is. <laughs> Uh, Kylie starts going off on Eugene now. And, you know, Eugene probably is autistic. Uh, this is too much sensory input. So he's put his headphones on and he's watching TV. Uh, overloaded. I'm going to ignore the world right now. Uh, that's when Kylie sees a picture of herself. And it's actually a pretty good picture. Turns out Eugene has drawn a lot of pictures of her uh, throughout uh, most of her life. He's got pictures of her on her first day of school, got pictures of her uh, the first time she punched Miriam. He's got a picture of her feeling terrible about punching Miriam. Uh, he's got a picture of her the day she left home and how they all felt horrible about it. And it turns out that Eugene has been part of their family all along, even though nobody knew it except Eugene. Um, and then he's got a picture of Elizabeth, the teenage girl that Dennis killed. Well, Eugene knows a place they can hide. Dennis is starting to uh, uh, break into the hideout. He's used the tracker to find him. Eugene says he knows a place they can hide. And so he walks over to the wall and he puts a sheet over himself. The ghost that Miriam saw, the ghost that attacked Dennis, that was Eugene. It's the same raggedy, tattered sheet uh, that they had seen all along. Uh, Kylie is going to tell Eugene that's a terrible hiding spot when she hears something. She lifts the blanket off of Eugene, and Eugene has just been stabbed with a fire poker. Eugene goes down, and that's when Dennis breaks through the wall. I got you now. <laughs> well, Dennis, uh, Kylie, and Miriam climb up a ladder and pop out a hatch on the roof. Well, first she, she hits him in the face with that piss pot. Right. 
Yeah, Kylie throws the chamber pot right in Dennis's face. Then they head up a ladder and pop out a hatch on the roof. But Dennis has got that tracking device. He can follow Kylie wherever she goes. Um, he follows him up onto the roof. And as soon as he does, Miriam bashes him over the head with something. Dennis goes over the edge, but he catches himself on the rain gutter. And then uh, Miriam goes after him, but Kylie grabs her by the arm. Dennis is trying to climb back up on the roof. So Kylie kicks a roof tile loose and frisbees it at Dennis, popping him right in the head. She's just smashing everybody in the face throughout this whole movie. Oh, yeah. And that's when Dennis falls. And uh, Kylie gets Miriam back up and they get back in the house. Uh, inside the house, Miriam is trying to call the police. She asks Kylie what she should say when uh, uh, to the police. And that's when Dennis punches Kylie in the face. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the fall didn't kill him. And he's going to strangle Miriam with the phone cord. Uh, Kylie is out cold on the floor, but they're in, near the kitchen and a hand with a creepy long fingernail comes out of the pantry and just taps Kylie on the head, wakes her up. She sees uh, Dennis choking Miriam. Miriam's starting to turn purple. And that's when uh, that hand comes out of the pantry again. And this time hands Kylie a meat fork. Now, we could assume that this is a random meat fork, or we could, could, we could just uh, assume that it's a karmic meat fork, that maybe this is the same meat fork that Dennis used to kill that teenage girl all those years ago. Yeah. Either way, uh, Kylie grabs it and sh shoves it right up through Dennis's chin, uh, gets Miriam away, and that's when we notice there's wires attached the end of this meat fork and the camera follows yeah. the wire all the way through the house to a circuit box and we see dennis or eugene's hand we see eugene's hand reach up and flip the circuit breaker we see dennis go oh yeah and then his head explodes it just pops and <laughs> the girls get a washed in blood yeah uh, now what I loved about that shot is as I was taking notes on this, when I happened to pause it right there, and it's not just a random splat that they made, um, a head really explodes. Yeah. They could have just popped a water balloon and sprayed blood at them, but no, they, they blew up a head. It's, it's not scanner or maniac level head explosion, but they did a really good job. They and really it's, did. Yeah, it's not yeah. CGI. That was like, you know, as a physical effect. Yep. Seven months later, Miriam is filming Amos taking off Kylie's ankle monitor. And she seems really surprised that they just use big scissors and cut it off and throw it in the trash. <laughs> Graham is back to health. He's doing fine. He's busy doing something outside. Amos cuts the monitor off. And that's when the camera dies. Well, Kylie says you gotta you must have pressed the button. Cameras don't turn just don't turn off. And she says, Well, it just turned off. Battery's charged. Been on the charger all night. Kylie takes a look at the camera and yells Eugene's name. 
and roll credit. This was really a good movie. It was a well-made movie. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because not a lot of people know about it. And it's such a good movie. Yeah. It really is a good one. Um, I think that, uh, you know, for, for the budget being as low as it is, the production value is weirdly high. Oh, yeah. Um, makes me want to see some more stuff this guy has done because and he hasn't done a lot as far as, as films go but this was this was a good one there was a plan to uh make a u.s version of this movie too but i don't know where that has gone uh, i think new line cinema agreed to make it like five or six years or three or four years ago but yeah i don't i don't know what happened with it after that i think they just should release this here yeah yeah i mean they could change some names of places and and make it more relevant to an american audience but yeah the accent's a little weird you know some some american some members of an american audience might wonder what an electric bowl is yeah uh i, I watch multiplication movies you know i mean <laughs> So I like that, like, you know, like I grew up on Mad Max movies and crap, you know, or the Yahoo serious crap that they put out. You remember that guy? Right, right. So I grew up like weird, you know. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to know that HUDs on a deep really means kids on a deck, but (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't take a lot of imagination. We can figure it out. I, I don't know. I love this movie. It's really good. Uh. Yeah, I kind of want. There's, there's another movie called Safe House that the guy made, and it has everybody that's in this movie pretty much in that movie. And it was a made for TV movie. Oh, wow. But it's called Safe House. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I got, you know, worked so many years doing TV and stuff. So they finally give you a movie. Yeah, I mean, the guy knew what he was doing, so he just went and did it. And it came out perfect. And it, it is a cliche story, you know, and uh, I, I think. It kind of gained traction when they had that viral story when you know, had someone discovered that there was like a small person like living in their house and crap. I remember right. seeing, like a clickbait article. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just a good movie. Yeah, it, it is a good movie. The, I mean, the humor in this is cheesy, but it's it's well-placed. It's not just yeah. thrown in there. The gore is used very sparingly. Uh, I like you that. Know, they're not just they're not just uh, shower and blood all over the place because well we haven't done it in three scenes. Uh, it's one yeah. of those they, they they use it very sparingly and they use it very well. Uh, the characters are fantastic. I mean, there's so many times we watch a movie like this and the characters are like paper cutouts and yeah. there's, there's no dimension to them. There's no richness to them, but but we get that in this movie. And I really like the. the fun to watch it it's just a well executed movie yeah it really is all right man i think that's a podcast hell yeah we hope you enjoyed this podcast we had a lot of fun making it be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us you can follow cdf pod on facebook and instagram or at cdf underscore pod on twitter you can also visit our website at cdfpod.com and don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to patreon.com slash cdfpod 
Join us next time as we explore another movie so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made. <laughs> <laughs>